Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. Hey, I think that's the smoothest I've managed to get my job title out yet. We're getting better each week. (laughs) Sitting here uh, in the 1957 conference room at Truist Park in the offices here uh, of the Atlanta Braves, uh, right across the table from my co-host and partner and good buddy, uh, Greg McMichael. We are Ricky and, and Greg, a.k.a. Bubba and Harry, for those of you who have been uh, long-time listeners. And this is indeed a Bubba and Harry edition of the show, just us. We figured September, there's a lot of fun stuff happening here at the ballpark. Uh, the Braves are fighting for a fourth straight division. So we just figured, hey, let's just get in the room here for a little bit and chit-chat about everything that's going on. Uh, we've got some some fun guests scheduled for the next couple weeks. So look forward to that. But in the meantime, we figured we'd just have a Bubba and Harry show. So... All right, I'll, I'll I'll start I'll start with uh, the elephant in the room because we're recording this on Thursday. Um, I'm trying to think of a more professional way to say it, but I'll just say it: that Dodger series sucked. <laughs> that <Dodgers>. sucked. <laughs> that yes, sucked. Exactly. Um, I don't I I don't want to try to be the guy to take a bunch of positives away from it because we lost three three games. I mean that just stinks, especially coming off of taking two out of three from the Giants. Um, well, a month where we haven't lost right right and so you lost a couple tough games to the yankees at home rebounded but with by taking two out of three from the giants who are a good team um you know the dodgers are going to be tough i'm getting swept really stinks but so here are my positives though i will try to do that a little bit it's also frustrating, but it's also positive that it wasn't like we got blown out in any of those games. We were in all three of them. The first game looked like it was going to be a blowout. Our guys fought back and made a game out of it, had a chance to come back in time and possibly win it. Obviously didn't. Um, uh, but that, that was one positive is that it wasn't like we just got went out there and got our doors blown off. But, hey, three losses are three losses. So... 
Um, trying to think, what are the other positives from that? Well, you know what I was thinking? I, I kept uh, I kept flashing back last night watching that series or watching that game. I was thinking back to 2018 when the Red Sox, who eventually went on to win the World Series that year, came in here and blew our doors off for three days. And that third game, Braves had a big lead, should have won it, and blew the big lead. And it was capped off, I believe, by a former Brave, Brandon Phillips, hitting a home run about five miles over the left field wall. <laughs> um, and that was where things kind of felt like with this division. It was like, man, we've... We, we could be in, way to go. We could be in trouble here because mm-hmm. it was it was tightening up. Uh, we got our doors blown off. Went out west uh, for a four game series in Arizona. Won three out of those four. If you remember, well, the one game was the big play by Dansby at short where he uh, diving mm-hmm. stop threw it home. Play at the plate ended the game. Uh, ended up winning three out of four. And I think after that they went to San Francisco and swept the Giants. But that series, uh, after a rough series against a World Series contender, they went out west and took care of business in a four game series so i'm just trying to manifest this manifest history into repeating itself in Mm -hmm. that all right we 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 got swept by the defending champs but we got four games in colorado now so let's let's do our best all right before we get into colorado though what what are some of the first things came to mind for the dodgers series? yeah so i guess my positives uh and the takeaway from that series is that i look at the yankees I look at the Padres, I look at the Brewers and the Dodgers all the same way. I think you could play the the teams like the Orioles and the Rockies for the next month that doesn't do anything for you, right? I mean, it's just those games don't really – they don't tell you anything, right? I mean, you just try to survive those because you're supposed to win them, right? And they're not giving you enough – um, feedback on really what kind of team you are because if we're, if we were being honest about this team we the expect, expectations we had going into the season were never met um, up until about a month ago and so now we're back to where we were originally is that this team needs to go deep in the playoffs we're expecting this team to take the next step go to the world series and compete for a championship you can't do that until you measure yourself against the teams who are expected to be there, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the um, the Giants. So I love as many games as we can have with them so that we know what we've got to do, what we have to fine-tune, who's got to pitch the seventh, who's got to pitch the ninth, who can pitch, you know, who can, who can start. Until we work all that out, we're not going to be able to go to that next level. So I love it that these games are close, but then there's something about winning those close games because there was a, a game against the Yankees we should have won. Right. There was obviously two games against the Dodgers we should have we had the lead, and you expect to, to close that out. The good teams, when they get the lead, they keep it and they close it out. And then if they don't have the lead, they find a way to scrap themselves back and, and win the game like the Dodgers did. So I love it having these games spread out over the next this next month because we need those tests. And Snit needs to know, Alex needs to know, the players need to know exactly where they stand. It does us no good to play the Orioles for the next 30 days and go into the, uh, go into the playoffs with a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my takeaway is that the team now knows exactly where they stand. If the Dodgers are the the number one team that's supposed to win the World Series, which I don't know which bookmaker wouldn't have them winning it with that lineup and with that pitching staff, then you have a direct measurement of where you stand. 
And I think that's important for these guys. So they either need to turn it up or we need to make some adjustments on who's pitching when and where, you know, who needs to bat where in the lineup. Now, for the most part, we have all that stuff figured out. This team's been playing phenomenal. And we are excited about what they did against the Giants. But there again, we were playing the Giants at home. We were playing the Dodgers on the road. That's a big deal. And then plus the Dodgers are just, you know, they they put it all together. They're, they're humming. I mean, they're right on cue on everything that they do. And we were there. And I think we'll continue to be there. But we need to still, that the end of the bullpen, and we'll get into that at some point. But that bullpen still, we don't have complete answers down there on who's pitching the seventh, who's pitching the eighth, and who's pitching the ninth. Because in baseball today, you need to know those three questions. And, and I just don't think we have a complete, clear picture on who is supposed to be our closer, who is supposed to be the two setup guys. And, and things change. Right. Just because Will Smith was that, you know, for the first half of the year or three quarters of the year does not mean he'll be our closer going into the playoffs. Because if I know anything about baseball, that you play – who's the hot hand just like rosario coming in and he had a monster game he may be our starting left fielder right and 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 he hasn't been here all year sure but if you want your best chance we knew when those trades were made rosario was probably the best the best move of all even though he was hurt him being healthy was probably the best player in that whole bunch that got picked yeah. And got traded. So if that's the case and he's performing, he will be in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, because if we go back about a month or so, um, I think with given the injuries and everything that and all the other stuff that our team went through this year, um, I think a month ago or so, obviously you, you touched on it, expectations come into the season. We were expecting to contend for a World Series last year, and we came into this season with those exact same expectations. Given everything that happened to us the first few months and not even being able to get over 500 until like four months into the season, I mean, and, the, and doing that Groundhog Day thing of just lose today, win tomorrow, lose today for like, it's what seemed like it went on forever. Um, but I think our expectations had gotten to the point where we were playing that thing where we were not couldn't even get over 500, but we were still in the division race. And with half of the lineup that we were supposed to have, I think it was, well, if this team could somehow scrap together enough and they can make some moves at the deadline to just to at least get back to the postseason, that in and of itself would be quite an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I think we even talked about that with Gabe Burns when he was sure. here in this very room last month. I would say given just how how well the front office killed it at the deadline and just how they managed to really rebuild this entire lineup and kind of rebuild the team, yes, we want to win the division again and get back to the postseason, but I feel like the expectations now shouldn't be just to get back there. And a month ago, I would have said, yeah, with given everything we got going on here, just to get back there would be pretty incredible. And it still would be. But to me, this team is good enough now that we should be looking at at contending Mm -hmm. and not just making it again to the postseason. And look, that was the litmus test the last three nights of what you got to do. We knew that coming in, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we faced them in the NLCS last year, and it's it's interesting. I mean, you think about that NLCS. I mean, we had games in that NLCS started by A.J. Mentor, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, and we still – we took them to seven games. Bryce, who, who did a phenomenal job, as did AJ in that series. I mean, really incredible. So even with without Acuna and the retooled lineup, I still think we can compete with those guys. It's those. It's what you touched on there. we got to find a way to come back and win those games or not mm-hmm. cough up that, that 
two to one lead or whatever it was, three to two, you know. Um, but I, I just, I, I, it's funny how quickly things can change where it's like, oh, just not all that long ago, I was like, man, if they could just get back there, just get back the postseason, then they're playing with house money. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case now. I think you, they, they need to be viewed as a, as a contender or they should be acting like a contender and we should treat them like that. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And if I, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I was a little questioning at the, at the end of or right there at the deadline, whether we should even make a move. I said, I don't want to give up anybody because is it, is it realistic to believe that we can, we can revamp this lineup? I mean, right. can you, there's so many holes between the bullpen, the pitching staff and the lineup. Can we really do enough without giving up the farm? And I just kind of questioned that I didn't think we could. And sure enough, Alex pulled it off without giving up anything, which is pretty amazing. So now here we are a month later, and I am I feel like that we could go deep into the playoffs. But the one thing that's holding us back is that whole eighth, ninth inning because there's the confidence you could just see it because there is a little bit of a merry-go-round which is not unusual with a bullpen sure it's not unusual but you have to feel like that um that people can go out now Massett comes in the game you know he he seems like he's in in charge he feels like he's on top of his game uh, and i can't say that for everybody but you Nowadays, the bullpen is so important. And last year, I had complete confidence in our bullpen. I mean, we were lights out right. for four innings. And I just thought that was – it was hard to do. But we did it. Um, I just don't – I think that that's just a um, an area that, that we're, we've been constantly struggling, struggling in. And it's gotten better. I just want – I want us to – Snit's got to decide what which formula he really wants to use because those guys need to know. Yeah, if he's looking at making a change, he's better off making it now. And whether he's putting Rodriguez in as a closer or whether he's putting, you know, um, mentor in or whether he's putting in Luke, I mean, whoever it is, he needs to make a change now and let those guys have some time to experience it and whatever. But I don't know if he will. I don't know if he's going to. Maybe they feel completely like they're in, in good shape but to me that's last two nights and even during the the Giants series I mean there's been games where it could have gone either way we could have lost another five games because there were men on in the ninth and because the we just made some great plays or um like jo- that jock uh yeah some catch down the game yeah between sure. walks and between men on you know traffic on the bases it just it, it's turned out for us but there were some questionable games there where against good teams where i was kind of wondering if this is going to turn turn ugly sure but you know we'll see but to me i think if we can iron that out I've, i'm complete confident in our lineup i think our pitching staff i think with tukey kind of uh going up yeah going up against smile i think smiley or tukey i think tukey I like Tukey's stuff better than I do Smiley, you know, honestly. I think it plays better. I think Tukey has a chance of going deeper into the game mm-hmm. than Smiley does. But, um, but you know, we may go with six guys. Right. And for a fifth starter, both either one of those are great for a fifth starter. Sure. The other guys, I think, that, you know, with Noah and, and Charlie and, and um, you know, Max, I think we're, we're really good there. But having that, having that fifth starter, because you know, in the playoffs, I don't think you 
it's not as important to have a sixth guy, right. fifth guy, but they could fill a role. You know, we know Josh sure. went on the DL and and uh, or the IL, and and so we need a guy who can come in in the fourth inning if we need to. So that we got that going. Well, let me ask you, um, just backing up to the bullpen for just a second. Um, uh, you you mentioned there that look, it's it's you go with the hot hand and things can change and and all that. So you were a relief pitcher uh, in crucial spots on numerous contending teams. Was there ever a time in your career where the bullpen there was a bit of a shakeup or something in September or close to the season where roles were redefined or anything like that? Not necessarily. Well, I, I I would take that back. Yes, there were a couple times. I know that I was hurt one year in the whole month of of um, of August and September, and we had to make an adjustment because I was you know one of the few setup guys. I do know that in 1993, Mike Stanton had I think he had 28 saves at the half, and I took over as the closer. I mean, that was a major adjustment, and and then I went on to finish out that year, and then also '94 as the closer. That was a big adjustment, but we did it in at the beginning of August, at the end of July. So yes, I think especially moving into the playoffs, the bullpen has always been playing the hot hand. You, it's not like that in the lineup. If a guy is is your number two hitter, he tends to be your number two hitter. If Mm -hmm. he's your cleanup hitter, he tends to be your cleanup hitter. They don't move those guys around as much. And I and I've always thought it's funny because these guys are so sensitive. The hitters, you know, they're they pitchers are not anywhere as sensitive as the as the guys. They want to be in the same spot. They want to have it. Just doesn't work that way in the bullpen. You never know when you're pitching. You kind of know, but those hitters, man, they want to know. Am I leading off? Am I the four hole hitter? I want the three holder. I'm the seventh holder. That that tends to be more of an issue. So you don't see as big a shake up there, except for like the extra guys who are playing. They do, you know, we rotate outfielders and do that kind of stuff. I think you see that less and less as the games become more important. You want those key guys. Remember, when you go into the playoffs and down the stretch, if it's close, you're not trying to get guys days off. You're trying to. You got to win a ball game. So if you're one game ahead of the Phillies, one game back, or two games, and you're playing Dodgers, you're not really worried about giving guys days off. You're worrying about I got to win these games. So I'm putting my best lineup out there. So you're going to go with your high guy. So if Rosario is 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 hitting better than you know. Um, uh, than Almonte or Duvall. better than Duvall, yeah, Duvall right. or whoever that, that fourth guy is that you're rotating in, you're going to put him in there. If this guy's batting 600 off of uh, Bueller and the other guy's batting 200, then you're going to go with the guy that's batting 600. And I think that's what Snit said the other night, you know, when while he brought in last night, he brought in one of the relief pitchers because he hadn't given up a hit to this guy. And, and and the other guy that was bringing in didn't have as good a record. So he went by the book. And I think sometimes managers are going to look – they're looking at all those stats and they're, they're trying to give themselves the best best chance to win. The bullpen is definitely uh, – lends itself to being the hot hand. So, yeah, if you've, if you've used Luke in the seventh inning all year and then all of a sudden you see him starting to struggle – then there's no guarantee he's going to be pitching the seventh inning come September 25th. Sure, and you're going to go with you're going to go with you know the next guy. And um, it's always as long as I've known it, it's always been there. The only time it's a little different is if it's your closer. Just because your closer blows one save one night 
doesn't mean all of a sudden he's not going to be the closer the next night. Um, whereas if you're the setup guy or the seventh inning guy, that may happen. Like, well, maybe we'll give this guy a day off and let the other guy pitch because he's pitching a little bit better. So, I don't know. That's just been my experience, but it seems to be that happens more in the bullpen than anything else. Sure. Well, hopefully we can see – we'll see how it all shakes out this weekend in Colorado. Uh, Four-game series in Colorado. So, Rockies 61-72, and 72, fourth place in the NOS. So, not really going anywhere there. But some interesting splits, and we all know about the Coors Field effect. But this this year, their home-and-away splits are really just hmm. – are, are pretty – Eye popping. Uh, the, the Rockies are 18 and 50 on the road, and they're 43 and 22 at home. Wow! <laughs> so you got to treat it like you're playing that 43 and 22 team, I guess. Something in the water there. Uh, well, there's something in the air. I do believe. <laughs> My sister just moved out to Colorado, so she's she's educating me, educating me on yeah. all the how how the are they going to one of the dispensers? I don't know. I don't know. If they are, they need to find one on the road. Um, um, But but I think we – as a, as a former player, we should talk a little bit about Colorado and going in there and what that's like because it's look we've we you're a longtime baseball fan you know it I mean the joke on Twitter is just like somebody will give some stat or something that happened in Colorado and all the replies will just say Coors because yeah. Coors Field you know right um, so what what is that like what is that experience yeah there, like? there's a couple things of course we all know that it's the elevation right sure. but you know what Atlanta was called the launching pad forever right. You know, Fulton County Stadium, the launching pad, because we were the next highest elevation outside of out of Coors Field. So take that away, and let's talk about just the the actual the practicality of, of playing a game there. So if you've ever been to Coors Field, and everybody's that's probably listening is if they haven't been there, they've been watching it. The field is bigger. Okay, it's it's bigger in center field. It's bigger down the lines because it even, we, it even looks bigger on TV. I've oh, never yeah. been there, but it just everything about it just looks way bigger. Yeah. So the tendency, uh, let's just talk about defense first. The tendency of the outfielders, because it is so big, is to play back. And nowadays with analytics, they've come up with a formula that you don't need to play in. That you need to keep the ball from going over your head. So even now, today, more than in the past, the outfielders play back. So that means if you're on a big field and you're playing back, then that means that even the stuff um, is going to fall more in front of you. So all the broken bat singles, the jam shots, all those kind of things have a better chance of following following in now than they did before. So that's one thing. The second thing is because of the lack of humidity for a pitcher, you never feel like you've got a really good grip on the ball. So when that happens, the tendency is for you to overgrip the ball. Now, why is that such a big deal? Well, overgripping the ball does not allow you kind of this free feeling, you know, uh, ability to snap the ball. So you think about breaking balls and uh, sliders and curveballs in general, maybe cutters. If you overgrip them, you can't spin them as well. If you don't spin them as well, the term hanger. Right. Right. That's where you get the term hanger. You get the term cement mixer. You know, Glavin uses that sometimes. Anytime you overgrip something, you clamp down on the ball, your arm speed also slows down. Makes sense. When the arm speed slows down, 
the body doesn't necessarily slow down. So now you're out of whack. So if the body's going the same rate, but the arm slows down, guess where the ball ends up staying? It stays high because you don't finish the pitch. The arm speed has to be in conjunction with the body at the same rate so you can then get the ball down in the zone. If you can't, then you tend to arm we've all heard of arm drag the the arm drags and therefore the ball stays up so if the ball's up it's going to go a lot further and and if the ball's not spinning as much if you're used to a certain rate of spin and it slows down then the ball doesn't break as sharply and then therefore it stays up again and it hangs and it gets crushed and then if it doesn't get crushed it's a little blooper that falls in too now that's the second point now the third point is guys tend to walk more people nowadays the one thing if you think about the perfect storm outfielders play back you can't throw the, you can't snap the breaking ball and therefore walks occur broken bat singles occur and home runs occur all because you have this perfect storm of I don't feel the ball so therefore I'm not sharp I'm trying to do too much the ball hangs and my defense is playing against me and um, and it just ends up being a nightmare so if you add all those things together you see a team that does really well at home because they're used to that. They've adjusted to it. But when you come in for three games, you can't adjust in three games because you may only pitch one of them. Right. And so it's hard to make an adjustment on the fly. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm in Coors Field, so I need to do this, 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 and this. It's hard to do that because you've got adrenaline pumping and you're just trying to do what you've been doing for the last four months. And it doesn't work that way. But when a team plays there day in and day out, they've made the adjustment. And so, therefore, they don't make the same mistakes. And that's, the, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's almost – I'm trying to think – I'm trying to pull a McMichael here and try to pull in some golf comparisons. Like, let's say you've oh, got your, your home – squeeze the club. Yeah, your, your, home, your home course that you play all the time. You've played a zillion times. But you show up – I don't know, you're playing one time and the weather is, is drastically different and the wind is higher or maybe it rained and the ground is a lot wetter. And it's suddenly – it's like you know – you know this course like the back of your hand, but it's like you're you start struggling because you're trying to learn how to play it in this new way in these different settings. So I don't know if that's exactly a complete fair comparison. That's but, close. That's but close. It, I mean, it's kind of like they say whenever the windier it gets, the easier you need to swing. Right. If you're always playing in the wind, you've made that adjustment. But if all of a sudden you've been playing 75 degrees and sunny, and then you then you make one round, all of a sudden you go and it's a 20 mile an hour breeze in your face the whole time. It's hard to make that adjustment. Right. Right. And that's kind of the analogy of it. But it, it is a it is a real thing to go there and play and not be on your game. Think about it. The game is also, and this was my this was a final point that I didn't bring up, the game has evolved to where you're seeing more breaking balls than ever. Mm-hmm. You don't see as many change-ups. My experience in the past, the guys who had splits and change-ups did well. So two guys that come to mind are Hideo Nomo and Tom Glavin. They both pitched extremely well at uh, Coors Field because that's the pitches they relied upon. The guys like Smoltz's and the guys um, who relied on big breaking balls, they tend to struggle because of that one fact of, of how hard it is to get the ball to do what you're used to seeing it do. 
what did you enjoy pitching out there? Was it a nightmare or were you no? I mean, I threw changeups, so I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't struggle as bad, but still, the feel on my changeup, I did, I didn't tend to hold it. Some guys like Glavin hold his held his tight. Mm-hmm. A split is tight because it's in between your fingers like that, spread out. Mine was really loose, more like a screwball, so it wasn't perfect for me because I still felt like it was slipping out of my hand. So I overgripped it a little bit. I could throw one that was kind of a tight grip but my best one was one that was nice loose and i wanted as much humidity as possible because i could feel that baby rolling right off my fingertips so i think that's that's something that's really difficult for guys who rely on so i'm thinking about anoa i'm I'm wondering how he's going to do because he relies so much on that breaking ball (coughs) and i wonder how what it looks like with max freed when he relied on that breaking ball I'm, I'm wondering, like a guy like Luke Jackson, how's he going to respond relying on that slider so much? So we'll see. What's it like to is it dressed? Um, what's it like to pitch there in say early April or October? <laughs> yeah, because you mix I know the you pitch cold. There in October. You mix so. the cold. Yeah, yeah and October was the same way. I didn't wasn't, wasn't that successful. Chipper tells the story <laughs> that uh, I made him have the best play of his whole career, and it was during that playoff run. Galarraga hits a BB, even though it was like a three hopper down right over the bag, and he picks it and throws a second, and we you know and we get out of it, but. Um, it's tough because then you're mixing in the cold with the dryness and the altitude. And so that's even another factor. It's one thing when it's a day game and it's 85, 90 degrees, you got some sweat going a little bit mm-hmm. and you can feel it. But when you're at night and it's breezy and it's cold, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. And and just their record proves it. I mean, think about you had Galarraga, you had Dante Bichette. You had Vinny Castillo. I mean, those guys. The, you had the Murder's Blake, Row. The Blake Street Bombers, right? Wasn't that their name? Murder's Row. And you also had uh, the lefty um, just went in the Hall of Fame. Guys, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Larry Walker. Larry Walker. Oh, so gosh, think I about was too. Larry yeah. Walker, Dante Pichette, um, Vinny Castillo, and, and Andres Galarraga. I mean, my gosh. You had to face those guys four in a row. That's that's why they called it Murder's Row. And those guys could go out left, they could go out right, they could go out center, and then they could hit doubles in the gap. So they they wore people out. One thing one thing I've observed over the years watching games at Coors Field that I've learned is that you're never really out of it in yeah, the game. That's like right. you could be down ten to one and you're really yeah. not out of it yet. Cause I, I wish you could have seen when we played at Mile High Stadium. I was I was wonder I literally was just thinking about that. I was like I wondered if you pitched out there. I think you had to have because their first year in existence was '93. Oh, we loved them because they weren't any good. I was you know we did yeah. really well against them. But left field was, was 350 ask, was <laughs> and right field was 450. It was so funny, you know how the stands worked. You're playing on on the football stadium and you had you know the Broncos there and everything. That was kind of right, cool. See, I'm, I got my laptop here. I'm just gonna <laughs> Google this. I want to get a. I've seen pictures of this before. Well, the Zephyrs played there for a long time the triple a team oh, did they okay yeah. all right let's then they see. moved to new orleans i think oh that's that's funny I, I, some of those older pictures where you see wow look at that yeah man was, that had to be something the first day and what was crazy you know when um they the fans i mean think about how many fans come to that it's seventy five thousand people right and they would come for a Rockies game. Yeah, it was an exciting it, time. Oh, yeah. It was great. Of course, the stadium now is big, but it was nothing like Mile High. 
I remember being a little kid back in 92, 93, and there was some, I think it was like a cereal box or some kind of cereal at that time that I liked. And, you know, you have the little toy or whatever mm-hmm. in your cereal box, like I assume they still to do today. Uh, but there was one brand of cereal that I liked, and they were doing the little toy or the little prize inside. Or maybe it was like you saved up the, 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 the box, tops. The box yeah. tops and sent them in. You get uh-huh. these things. But they were little mini uh, baseball pennants, I think. Oh, really? And I looked on there one day, and they had all of the teams pictured on there. And I looked at it, and then there were these two. I'm like, what are those? And it said Colorado Rockies and Florida Marlins. <laughs> and that was how I learned that they were adding two baseball teams yeah. as a kid was I saw it on a cereal box. And nice. I remember at the time thinking Colorado Rockies seemed like a cool name. Uh, mm. Still thinking. I still like their oh, whole yeah. look and everything. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. a cool. It's a great town. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, great town. Um, they they have a great product. I mean, and it's always been a good place to go. It's just a nightmare for pitchers. Right, hitters love it. Sure. Well, we'll see how it goes. Four yeah. games there, and that's. Uh, I'm just glad it's not going to be over at two in the morning. It's going to be over at one in the morning. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Working on the social media side of things, I finally went to sleep at four a.m. this morning. I'm like, okay, I think I'm done with the. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, I used to love those starts when I was working here on the East Coast because I didn't have much else to do. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now I wake up and I got, I'm, I, I, I'm a grown up now. And I have resp- yeah, you're I have, legitimate. I have responsibilities, allegedly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about, so we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, we definitely need to get back in the wind column and need to get there soon, I think, yeah, just to get the ship sure. righted a little bit after, get the taste well, of that LA series out of it. Yeah, it's so. not going to be any easier. I mean, like you said, they've got yeah. the best home record in, yeah. in baseball. So. Yeah. And I don't care. It's that reason for, you know, it's that way for a reason. And I don't care who it is. If it's it's if it's the worst team in baseball, it's still you're still facing the major league baseball team, and it's 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 one of those things I could never understand. I get the allure of definitely get the allure of betting on like football or other sports or stuff, but when it, betting on the outcome of just a single baseball game in the regular mm. season, just I've just seen too many of them to ever. I couldn't. I couldn't even fathom it because it's just a crapshoot every day. It really is. When's the last time all nine guys had a home run in the lineup? Has that ever been done? Well, I don't know. Let's see. You would. You would imagine in one that game. It, if it was. If it was going to happen, it would happen in Colorado. Ever homer. We need to pick the game of Noah's pitching. Yeah, I I keep waiting. My, our boy Freed, he's got to get yeah. one at some point. He's about to get one out here against the. I, I can't remember which team that was. All but. right, this is an old article from a, it's a few years ago, but it's a list of things um, that have never happened in baseball. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Again, I'm just I'm I'm just straight up going Google here. I'm not using any <laughs> official, but this is a Fox Sports article from from years ago. Uh, this one sounds unfathomable, but it has actually come closer to happening than you might think. Uh, September 4th, 1999, the Cincinnati Reds destroyed the Philadelphia Phillies 22-3 to in a game that featured nine home runs by eight different Cincinnati wow. players. Uh, let's see. Only the pitcher didn't homer. Let's see. Starting second baseman, Pokey Reese. Third baseman, Aaron Boone. Reserve. Now, this wasn't all the starters, but it was different guys. Mm. Reserve third baseman, Mark Lewis. Starting right fielder, Demetri I, I played with him in first rookie ball team. Okay. He was with the Indians. Starting center fielder, Jeffrey Hammonds. Left fielder, Greg Vaughn. Uh, starting catcher, Ed. I don't remember. I don't, I'm going to butcher this last name. Uh, Debinsey? 
Oh, Tobinsey. Tobinsey? Okay, Eddie, thank you. Eddie Tobinsey. Eddie Tobinsey, okay. And reserve catcher Brian Johnson. So, yeah, the wow. cup looks like a starter. So, nine home runs from nine people in that one game. Eight. Or from eight. There were nine home runs from eight okay. different guys. Um, that's a good That's a good stat. That is pretty cool there. Okay. All right, well, I'm calling it. All right. I like it. <laughs> I like I'm calling it. it. See, you can tell this is a uh, – We're going to win nine to six. Love it. Nine nice. home runs from nine different people. Nice. Love it. Yeah, they can tell this is an old article because one of the things they've also got on here is having never happened in Major League Baseball as a Padres no-hitter, which has since happened. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to guess that uh – that that's still up to that that stat of that that we just read with the home runs has never okay. happened. So, okay, we got some fun stuff coming up here at the ballpark. In addition to hopefully the Braves capturing another Eastern Division crown and going back to the postseason, um, let's start with Los Bravos night. That's going to be mm-hmm. and really I'm calling it Los Bravos night, which it's is actually Hispanic Heritage Night. Okay. All right. Well, that is. Or is it Hispanic Heritage Month, and it's Los Bravos Night? I believe Los Bravos Night is uh, September tenth, Friday, right. September tenth. Mm-hmm. Um, got the Aussie Los Bravos bobblehead. Nice. Um, first fifteen thousand through the gate, get that bobblehead, and then you've got a Hispanic Heritage themed Alumni Sunday mm-hmm. following that. Yeah, correct? we have Pedro Borbone from the World Series team. Nice. Ninety five, ninety six. Pedro and I played a long time together throughout the minor leagues and the big leagues. He'll be here along with Dennis Martinez, El Presidente. El Presidente. It's still one of, that's one of my favorite nicknames in all of baseball <laughs> history. That's great. Yeah, so he'll be here. They'll be come on out and see us on Sunday for autographs. We'll have baseball cards of those guys. I'll be signing between 11.30 and 12.10, and then we'll do a little Q&A like we normally do between 12.10 and 12.30. That'll be broadcast in the stadium as well as in the plaza. We'll be live in the plaza. It'll be a lot of fun. And and then uh, Pedro is throwing out the first pitch on Friday night. Cool. And, um, he's going to be on a podcast. And Dennis will be on um, Spanish radio for the game Friday night. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. And, of course, 9-11. Um, yep. Big. Big, honoring uh, the 20th yeah, anniversary on Saturday. Of we got yep. all kinds of cool stuff going on for that. So it's going to be a great weekend. It is. It's going to be a really good weekend. Definitely check that out. Uh, God, I was just, I just happened to have, I just had Dennis Martinez's numbers up here. Gosh, what a career. Oh my had. gosh. What did he play? Pitched 20 years, didn't he? 22. He, he made his debut on September 14th, 1976 for the Orioles. And of course, he finished his career here with us. Mm-hmm. September 27th, 1998 was his last appearance for the Atlanta Braves. 22 years. He was on the Cleveland Indians when we beat him in the World Series. He was. 245 wins, uh, lifetime 370 ERA, 2,100 strikeouts, four-time All-Star, led the ML- led MLB in wins in 81, ERA in 91. He was a machine. Pitched a perfect game in 91. Baltimore Orioles Hall of Famer. Heck of a career. El Presidente. Yeah. That. That's cool. <laughs> well, let's see. And, and overall, I mean, great guy. I mean, he is yeah. just as nice and pleasant and... Uh, love being around him. He's got a lot of positive energy. That's cool. And also, according to the internet, uh, first Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan to yeah. ever play Major League Baseball. That's right. Um, all right. So, you know me. I'm a NASCAR guy and a former guest of ours on Behind the Braves. Going to be here uh, Tuesday, September 7th. It is Chase Elliott night here at Truist Park. So, that's going to be cool. Chase is going to be here. Uh, I'm not sure if we're supposed to say what all he's doing. So, I'll just let you'll, you'll just have to show up and see what, what he's going to be doing. Doing. But, uh, yeah, Tuesday, September 7th, Chase is going to be here, um, and he's going to be joined by 
some of the amazing patients from CHOA, Children's uh, Healthcare oh. of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase does a lot of work with them, as do we with the Braves. Uh, they're actually, some of those kids are had designed the paint scheme that Chase is running this weekend nice. at Darlington. Um, so that's going to like be Sounds like he awesome. should win. I, I hope he does. Uh, so so the amazing patients who designed his design-to-drive car uh, will be out here as well. So that's going to be a fun night. And, of course, Napa, Chase's uh, primary sponsor, and they've longtime partners of ours here with the Braves. So that's going to be a, a fun night. Um, you know, I'm a big NASCAR guy, and I, I love that NASCAR is defending champ, and their most popular driver is a diehard Braves fan So that, that just and a Georgia boy. So that works out well. Well, I, I, we had such a great time with him up in Charlotte when we actually got to have him on the podcast at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and mm-hmm. so, and he couldn't be any nicer, and we just had a great time talking with him, and, and of course, you know, growing up being a, being a Braves fan, and now we're getting to have him here, and I think that's just an unbelievable thing. I, I'm going to watch the race. I usually don't watch the races, but mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it just to see his car because yeah. I think that's – now. I, I pay attention because I want him to win. There's a few other guys that I know that are Braves fans and that, that are involved in the organization. I want him to win, so I'll pay attention. But I don't sit there and watch just 500 laps of a car riding around. I mean, I've watched I mean, many I, of them. I drive, I drive traffic in Atlanta. <laughs> okay. The last thing I want to do is spend my okay. time looking at more cars going around in circles. All right. got to educate <laughs> you a little bit on NASCAR so you can understand a little bit. Get some letters on that one. We'll get some emails on that one. Yeah, we'll get well, I'll work with you on that. Well, you know what? That reminds me. Thursday, September 9th is uh, Florida State night at the ballpark, and, oh, yeah. and no other what? schools are being Florida sold State? that night. I, they still have a school? <laughs> you know what? We had on our notes here. Greg had it. I'm just going to let you all in. Greg, uh, it's like, well, I want to talk about the University of Tennessee night. Tennessee night. And so I was looking at the schedule. I was like, well, it's also Florida State night. So if he's going to if he's gonna downgrade NASCAR, then I'm just going to start referring to <laughs> September 9th as Florida State night, even though I'm not a Florida State guy yeah. either. So When this podcast drops, Tennessee will be 1-0. and And they might be the first team in the SEC to have a 1-0 record. Well, the line is Tennessee's favored by 37. So if you're not one to know, you might not be back on this show next <laughs> That's week. True. That's true. Well, Tennessee night's coming up, and we're going to have the coaching staff from the baseball oh, cool. program because they went to the World Series this year. I know it didn't turn out the way they wanted to, but they had a phenomenal year, and uh, Coach Vitello is uh, doing great things at Tennessee. Just got an extension, and the program's on the way, on the up and up. So real excited about them. They're all going to come hang out with me, and we're going to watch the ball game and and, uh, have a good time there at Tennessee. And I think there's a couple other schools, Florida State and somebody else too, right? Florida State's that night. Uh, September 8th is Alabama. Uh, let's see, September 12th, uh, Auburn, uh, Georgia State, September 14th. Mm-hmm. we got a lot of college yeah. nights coming up September. Of course, Georgia, that'll be September 30th during yeah. the last homestand. So. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah, come out and say hi. I think Al Wilson may be here going in the College Football Hall of Fame. Nice. Okay. That would be awesome. He was a great linebacker at Tennessee. I'm partial to linebacker since my brother was one back in the early 80s. But I uh, love seeing those guys and, um, you know, glad they're coming out to the ballpark. That's cool. Well, and you know what? Just all the, the kind of the different things we just l- listed here or kind of talking about, it's one of the fun things about being a Braves fan and coming out to games here is we mm. go, do all these different cool packages or celebrations or honor different things. And it's it's – 
I, Braves country represents so many different people in so many different places from so many different backgrounds. And and I, I love that we try to incorporate as many of those things as we can into our game presentation and the things that we do in marketing and, and everything else with the mm-hmm. team. So a lot of fun stuff Agreed. coming up and hopefully a lot of uh, a lot of Braves wins and uh, celebration on the field again for for uh, I can't believe it's September. I know. Unbelievable. Well, you know, that August, that month of August after the deadline and all those wins that August just 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 flew by. Yeah, the first four months was like watching molasses. They went a little slower than August did. (laughs) I will will just say that. They say it's fun when you win. That's that's it. That's right. And it is. They're not they're not wrong. No. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed another uh, Bubba and Harry edition of Behind the Braves. If there's one thing Greg and I can do, it's just sit around and talk. <laughs> with Entertain ourselves. Entertain ourselves. And kind of like this room, there's nobody else in here listening. And I hope that, I just hope that there were people out there listening. So now we know you are and we very much appreciate mm-hmm. you. Um, I've gotten the, we get the tweets and emails and or just people that are like that stop us around the ballpark here mm-hmm. and say they listen. And mm-hmm. we, we love that we'd love never get tired of hearing that so uh if you haven't already please rate review subscribe and when i say rate i mean uh positively rate five stars if you can uh if you hate us don't don't rate us or review us just just well just don't just go send away. rick an email what we can do better <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah send me some some feedback some constructive criticism actually i'll gladly take that yeah absolutely heck yeah we're three years into this and we're still learning every episode hundred so. this is a hundred is we this didn't 100? even mention that. I thought last week was a hundred. Well, no, this is. My, <laughs> I don't know. My, my abacus said that this was a hundred. Oh well, happy hundred. Yeah, yeah, happy hundred. All right. We should have started with that. Well, okay. I, I just I'll forgot just put to, that in. That was my job, and I just totally dropped that ball. <laughs> so I apologize. But yeah, happy hundred. Yeah. That's pretty much. Uh, we're now a uh, centurion. No, oh. centurion. Is that, What's that, that like, called? I th- That's what somebody lives to 100. I'm thinking one of those mythical creatures, a centaur, That's right? a centaur, yeah. Oh. I think it's a centurion, then, is the person who has lived to be 100. Oh, okay. So right. this podcast has lived for 100 episodes. Wow. It's kind of amazing. You think about it. We've I done know. this 100 times. That's awesome. It seems like it's been 300 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like that first part of this season, just drug by like molasses. That's right. No, it's been, it's been fun. And then later this month will be the three-year anniversary of this show. So that'll be fun kind of like too. my wife says if we've been married 30 300 years <laughs> <laughs> well you're a thrice centurion couple or whatever you just said there all right this is going off the rails yeah, quickly so sorry. just end it now <laughs> now thank you to everybody for listening uh for greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast we'll see you next week on behind the braves Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Behind the Braves.